wasn't me. But, I was in a basement probably watching anime. So. Kelly <laughs> and I would not have been friends in high school. No. <laughs> <laughs> I went to every single football game. But that's because I was in the band. I went to like one or two and it was when I was a freshman. And then I didn't do it again. Did you paint stuff on your face? Boring. Okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Feminist Fiends and Quarantine Queens, our podcast where we watch different forms of media and analyze if they are feminist or not. I'm Nellie. And I'm Pate. What's up, girly? Nellie just got vaccinated. Everyone give her snaps. So if she doesn't make sense on the pod today, it's because she's got that JJ covid running through her veins one and done rolling through me yeah i definitely feel a little foggy i'm not gonna lie but this is energizing me i think i'm gonna take a fat nap (laughs) (laughs) but yeah we back we doing it we back we better than ever jk not really (laughs) (laughs) um so as promised we're we're giving you some current events updates up top before we dive into our content for the week on friday jurors heard testimony from a medical examiner and forensic pathologist and former minneapolis police officer derek chauvin's trial for george floyd's death as some of you likely know the defense was trying to claim that chauvin kneeling on george George Floyd's neck was not the cause of his death, but that his death was a result of drugs and pre-existing health conditions. On Friday, Dr. Andrew Baker, the Hennepin County Chief Medical Examiner who performed George Floyd's autopsy, still classified his death as homicide, saying, quote, other things that you think played a role in the death but were not direct causes get relegated to what's known as the, quote, other significant conditions part of the death certificate. For example, you know Mr. Floyd's use of fentanyl did not cause the subdual or neck restraint. His heart disease did not cause the subdural or neck restraint, end quote. Forensic pathologist Dr. Lindsay Thomas agreed with Baker's finding of the cause of death, This is a huge step towards justice, and we hope these steps in convicting Chauvin will continue as the trial resumes on Monday. We will continue to share updates, and we encourage you to follow the trial as well. This past week, the Arkansas legislature voted to override Governor Asa Hutchinson's veto of House Bill 1570, which aims to prohibit healthcare professionals from providing or even referring transgender young people for medically necessary healthcare. The ACLU has vowed to challenge this law in court. We share the belief of the ACLU that gender-affirming care is life-saving care, so we want to encourage folks to go to the ACLU's website and Instagram to learn about ways to get involved, and we want to plug a source we share Last week, the legislative tracker on freedomforallamericans.org, where you can see any legislation related to LGBTQ discrimination that is being considered and how to take action against it. Learn more at freedomforallamericans.org slash legislative dash tracker. 
On Thursday, Biden announced six executive actions meant to curb gun violence in America, including placing new restrictions on pistol modification and nominating an anti-gun advocate to helm the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, ATF. These actions are significant but address only a small part of America's gun problems. It's essential that we keep our foot on the gas when it comes to demanding an end to gun violence. Mobs Demand Action is doing amazing work for gun sense in America, and you can get involved too. Learn more by visiting MomsDemandAction.org. We will continue to keep you updated on current events at the top of the episode, and we encourage you to stay engaged on the goings-on of our country and our world and to always stand up for justice. Now, without further ado, let's dive into this week's movie. After starting our new series, Oof, That Didn't Age Well, we wanted to include fresh and new movies every every other week to balance out the old ones we will be discussing. Don't worry, we'll be back with that series next week, but this week we are excited to be discussing Moxie, which is directed by Amy Poehler from the book by Jennifer Matthew. Matthew? Matthew? Matthew. Matthew? I do not know how to pronounce that. It looks like Matthew to me. Sorry, Jennifer. Sorry, Jenny girl. And stars a stellar young cast. (laughs) I couldn't list all their names. And I didn't want to make you pronounce all of them. It is a bomb Because you know that I couldn't pronounce their names. Yeah. Um, Except for my bae. Hold on. Let me look him up. What's his name? (laughs) Nico. I'm blushing. Just thinking about him. He's my dream man. He's my dream man. I feel icky saying that because we are far removed from high school, but he's probably our age. He's 23. He's older than Thanks. us. Well, that's my age, but yeah. He's older than me. I did. <laughs> What's I his did. birthday? Do you have it up there? What's the sign? Oh, let me pull it up. Mm, December 19th. Ooh, what sign is that? Uh, Sagittarius. Sagittarius. Star sign. Yeah, I am. I am older than him. For the record, he's a Sag, and I did feel a little uncomfy, straight up simping for a high school character. Um, But like, Nico is Bay. He's so cute. Anyways, um, okay. So back to the movie. Moxie follows a high school junior, Vivian, as she navigates the patriarchy in her high school and attempts to make social change within how women, in particular, are treated by their male peers as well as the school administration. Vivian anonymously publishes a design that circulates the school and sparks... <laughs> like magazine. <laughs> Sorry, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I will keep this in, you know. Oh, God. When will I ever learn? Okay. Okay. Vivian anonymously publishes a zine that circulates the school and sparks a revolution. Yes. Yeah, so essentially, here's the tea. So Vivian's like this quiet girl and she does what she's told, but her mom is Amy Poehler and she was a badass in her youth and would like protest stuff and yada 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 and was a big feminist and raised her daughter to be a big feminist and your dog said me too sis um and so then this new girl i'm sorry i'm really bad at remembering 
characters' names. Lucy. Lucy. And I don't want to just call her new girl because she's a very important character. Lucy is uh, a new girl at the school and she's very opinionated and is not afraid of being herself and holding her head high. And she, you know, doesn't, you know, like the great Gatsby. She's kind of harassed, not kind of, she is harassed by the school quarterback. And she, instead of just putting her head down and thinking, oh, he'll ignore me if I don't say anything. She does the opposite. She tries to go to the school administration because he's harassing her. And then this um, basically snowballs into uh, Vivian. Oh, and there was a school list and it's like best ass and uh, most bangable and horrible things like that. Vivian gets, uh, best behaved or something stupid like that so then in protest of that a bunch of girls get together after Vivian has made the zine and um they kind of discuss how they are going to protest the patriarchy and injustice that they see in their school some of those things just showing solidarity is drawing hearts and stars on their hand. Um, one girl gets in trouble because of the dress code, just because she has bigger boobs than another girl. And so then they protest that by wearing tank tops at the very end of the movie. Spoiler alert. We're going to talk about the whole movie. So spoiler alert. At the end, um, someone publishes an anonymous note through Moxie about how she was raped by a student at the school and all of the girls plus a few ally men shout out um to our bay seth they walk out of the school and in protest and um yeah one thing i know i want to talk about is just like how vivian's experience i think is in kind of inspired by her mom who um is played by amy poehler and like did like was like kind of a 90s riot girl feminist listen to like that like that song rebel girl is like kind of the song of the movie and how basically she um just like I I would love to talk about like the different types of feminism that's representative but I do think or that's represented in the movie and I do think that like sometimes like the I think some of the places in which the movie falls short is because it's really just through this one lens but also it's hard to do kind of go much more beyond what the movie does when it's framed in the way that it is and when it's a movie and not a series but yeah I think just thinking about kind of the evolution of feminism and the history of feminism and like where like the room for growth even still you know what I just thought about when you made that point and that's so true and I like thought the same thing um because it is, you know, it's another blonde white woman talking about her struggles with the patriarchy. Here I am, blonde white woman on a podcast talking about the struggles of a patriarchy. Like, I'm calling myself out here. Um, And we'll talk more about, like, the different characters and, like, how there is a diverse group of women in this cast, and it's wonderful. Um, But speaking directly about a series where the different lenses are important I feel like Euphoria does that so well because they their cast is like lots of women of color and then also a trans woman and like you each episode's kind of dedicated to their story and it's not just like 
oh, I'm a blonde, straight, cis, white woman fighting the patriarchy, which is great. That's good. Fight the patriarchy. But you are kind of missing a part of the story when you allow the characters of color to be the new girl or the best friend and not get like their own episode where they can give their backstory and their struggles um and we can see it like through their perspective yeah I mean I think it's like good that um uh an article by NPR that I was reading before this talks about how um, and I remember kind of questioning this while watching the movie, but one thing that's important to name, I think, as we're recapping it is how um, basically, uh, as we know, Vivian starts the zine that's called Moxie, but we don't like we know that as the audience, but the other kind of members of Moxie, which becomes a club that is created by the women of color that are involved in it. Um and led primarily by this girl, Lucy, um, like, I think it's good that 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 anonymity is really important because I think the, while a white woman is kind of, uh, like, originated this, it's very much the case that the, I think, like, the mic is being passed and also it's not being led by, like, a, her personal experience or her narrative. It's kind of more... I think, again, and you could argue, like, this is a positive and a negative, because I do think you can see a little bit of, like, white saviorism coming in through here, in the sense that she kind of identifies that this is a problem, but it's not necessarily something that she is experiencing. It's, like, she's maybe experiencing, like, the minimal element of it, but I think she recognizes how a lot of these other girls, particularly, um, her peers of color and um her, her like well I don't think she recognizes this before she makes moxie but after the fact recognizing how intersection of identity kind of compounds the marginalization and I think then I, and we don't like hear her say this this is like she's not like this is why I'm remaining anonymous like she's not like writing in a journal saying this to herself but she definitely isn't like putting herself on a spotlight and not trying to have this shining moment, even though she does have it in the end, I guess, which I don't know, but spends a lot of time letting other girls lead the conversation, which I think is important. Um, do we want to just dive through like some of these other characters or do we want to talk about high school? Yeah. Let's talk about the characters since we're already yeah. talking about Vivian. Okay, perfect. Well, so yeah, we just talked about Vivian. I mean, like we said, Lisa, who's played by Amy Poehler, who is her mom, 90s riot girl. Um, definitely, like, I mean, I, I want to talk about her in relation to her boyfriend later when we talk about men. But mm -hmm. I feel like that's kind of what you need to know about her is just that she was very um, into protesting. She talked about the fact that, like, in hindsight, she recognized that, like, her feminism was not intersectional enough at the time but she kind of was saying that like they did what they could considering like the environment that they were in which I think also just speaks to like privilege and um I think just like the like historic segregation of space and how it's very likely that Lisa grew up in an extremely white environment and 
that's not an excuse for having a lack of intersectional identity. But again, I think especially when you're forming your Georgia just fell trying to get up on the <laughs> it was not funny, but it was funny. Um, but as you're forming your identity as a feminist, I think it is oftentimes led by your own experience, unfortunately. Um so and then okay, who else? Claudia, who is uh Vivian's like best friend since she was four. She's Chinese and the daughter of immigrants. And this kind of affects the difference between her path to rebellion and Vivian's in the sense that like like her parents are very much like you like we, we want you to be very high achieving. We want you to be kind of like they want kind of like the they have all these dreams for her and they want her to be successful because they've kind of sacrificed so much for her. And so she feels that when she like it's it's not as easy for her to rebel as it is for someone like Vivian, especially given Vivian's mom's views, but then also with the immigrant element, which I thought was a really, really powerful storyline. I hadn't seen, I, I personally had not seen a storyline like that before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's Kiera who is, and I can't remember Kiera's friend, but they're both on the soccer team. Um, they're both black women. She's black and Korean. Amaya is the other girl. Kiera and Amaya. Thank you. Yeah. Um, they both play on the soccer team. They're pretty like outspoken about the fact that like they get very little resources as a women's um, athletic team, especially compared to the boys football team, which like, even though they are way more high achieving, like they're winning more games and more kind of um, competitive as opposed to the football team, which they've said has like won two games. And there's this like scholarship opportunity, which is like the main thing that Moxie first rallies around is trying to get Kiara to nominating Kiara to be a part of the, um to to get the scholarship and then also trying to get people to vote for her which doesn't end up working out unfortunately but um that's like a main unifier for them then there's caitlin who is the girl that we referenced earlier who was sent home for having um big for for having sorry big boobs (laughs) just like for violating the dress code even though as she points out there is someone literally seated right next to her that is just of a different body type that is wearing the exact same shirt but because it is like less revealing due to the body that she's in she's not sent home so um and then there's also like um this transgender girl named cj um and then i've kind of a few others that are represented in moxie like in the end maybe not necessarily originally but like there's this girl in a wheelchair as well as um in the end like uh there is a girl like pete said a girl that comes forward um about her assault um who is like and she was assaulted by the star quarterback when they were in a relationship so so yeah i think you get like a lot of different narratives of feminism like i said it really i think is all through the lens of vivian who is a white woman which to me you can only be so intersectional if the story is through a white woman but like I said I think there are elements of this I think like because of the anonymity of the zine I think there's this level of empowerment for people beyond just the like white woman identity to be leaders in this organization which I think is a positive of it in terms of the representation but I'd love to hear your thoughts. No I think you kind of said everything perfectly and how I was thinking um 
I really did love all the characters and even though it's it's not a short movie by any means but like it's definitely short compared to a tv series but I still felt like I got to know all the characters and like there were you know some cheesy parts and when Claudia registers the like she does her own form of activism by like creating the club as an organization viewed by the school and like then Vivian gives her a big hug and is like I knew you could do it and I'm just like bruh have more like have more understanding for your friend like you should have known your best friend you should know you should know that she's very um not insecure she's very introverted and so the way that she is an activist is going to be different than how you're going to be an activist different than how lucy's going to be an activist um and so some people if their talent is like being organized then they should be the ones that organize the protest and organize um the club meetings and things like that claudia like registers the club so that they can hang posters and then in the end like when there's vandalism that kind of is traced back to moxie then she's in trouble because she's the one that registered the club because they don't know who else is like the leader like who is necessarily the culprit so then she takes the fall for that like completely and like vivian is not super empathetic of it um she's kind of Mm -hmm. just like she very much is like wow like bummer you got suspended but like it's for the greater good and Claudia is like you do not understand like how this affects my like my family you also don't get that like like my feminism is like she's like I have the same like greater goals I guess like in it all like if the greater goal is like equality of the sexes and equality of um, racial identity and all of these other like intersections of feminism she's like but like I just portray it differently like I can't be so like my protest is different from yours basically like more Mm -hmm. or less that's what she says and she's just like kind of calls out Vivian for not having this empathy for her situation which to me I was like I said I just think that that's a storyline that isn't really I had not seen told before I'm sure um and I hope I'm hopeful again I cannot speak to the experience that Claudia has um but she doesn't like I I, I'm hopeful that people are are identify with that um and that it is helpful to like have I I just think it's great because each of these characters I mean it doesn't necessarily give a whole scope of feminism but I just think each of these characters has a very different storyline like I think when you and I were talking beforehand we were saying how it kind of reminds us of Booksmart but like the thing is with Booksmart is it is like two cis white women Mm -hmm. even though one is gay (laughs) like that's like the one different identity like it's very similar storylines that are happening and here you do get while Vivian is the primary one and there's still issues with that you get a a lot of things um, a lot of different identities alongside her I do think this is a good transition into the boys question if you want yeah let's talk about it well something I was thinking about throughout this movie I was just like wow there are just so many women like I was just (laughs) like there are exactly like three male characters basically I mean there are a few little side characters well no there are more than three there are like four or five but 
I would there's, say six. There's just a vast majority of women where even I think about Booksmart and I do feel like a lot of the main characters were still men, like, or the main side characters. And I do think it's like helpful to have their, we didn't, they don't spend too much time developing the plot lines of men in this movie, which like, again, I don't think that necessarily makes something feminist, but I did think it was helpful that they had that like, they kind of narrowed in on, on telling the story of like the, the woman experience and, and the variety of that. Um, I do want to just obviously talk about Seth and kind of the other male character. So um, I'll tee you up to, (laughs) to lead us through that. Well, following up on that point, when I was watching Moxie, I realized like this was the inverse of what the reality has been so often for movies in the past. Like, I just think like any comedy movie and this is not a comedy movie so you know I feel like Bridesmaids is a good example of this but especially in Moxie um, the male characters are there to kind of either further the plot or to like allow the main characters that are women develop But essentially, for so long, women were side characters in any movie, and they were there for romantic interests, or they were there kind of just to be background characters. They hardly did anything for the plot, and they were really just side people. And I feel like this was a nice inverse of that. Like, yeah, our main villain was Mitchell, who was a boy, and, you know, I think part of me was like this is so unfair that we're like the whole like they're fighting the patriarchy but at the same time it felt really like zoned in on this one kid but then I kind of realized like I feel like Mitchell is a great representation and a symbol of what the patriarchy is and so shout out to Patrick Schwarzenegger for doing a good asshole job um and then but yeah I just thought like the male characters were really great in the sense of like they kind of were representing what women have had to do for so long in movies which is just be the side characters but even then in this instance they did a great job of being side characters especially Seth Um, and I would love to talk about Lisa's boyfriend as well yeah, I would love to do that. I was I was just going to say how, like, throughout this, like, I mean, I was reading something about how Seth is perhaps kind of an idealized feminist boyfriend. Yes. But I do think that, like, I don't know. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think we should accept anything less than him. And I do think that his character in particular is we see the scene in particular where uh, Vivian kind of has this blow up at the dinner table and then like kind of throws him under the bus completely when he absolutely did not deserve it. Like he did not do anything wrong. Like, I mean, I don't think anyone deserves like the blow up that she gave, but it'd be one thing if he had been like treating her like shit, but he did not ever do anything and was completely respectful of her. That made me so I had bad secondhand embarrassment. Like I was not okay when that happened. And he just was like, I didn't deserve like afterwards he, she like approaches him and is like, Are you mad at me? And he's and he like, was like, yes. Yeah. He was like, Yeah, like I didn't deserve that like let me know when you're ready to be a grown-up basically (laughs) like he's just like I I 
didn't ever do anything wrong with you and you also like completely like alienated your mom's perfectly nice boyfriend like I like he was just like I don't really get where that came from and I just feel like he's very emotionally intelligent he's very secure in his um I don't know his identity I think that he is like the opposite of fragile masculinity in the sense that he like is able to like have autonomy over himself and like stand up for himself but also like recognize that there is that like the times in which he is an ally but I also do think like it is really important as well that the like main love interest in this movie is um an Asian man because mm-hmm. it is like really common for Asian men to like not be romantic like not be like romanticized or s- sexualized at all they're like very feminized oftentimes and I-, I think it's really good to like break down that stereotype and like not continue to enforce it through that sort of representation but instead to like paint a new um picture and obviously like we were so in love with him so (laughs) um but yeah I just think obviously it's very ideal and then I guess with with Mitchell yeah he's just a douche pants so I do think that like it was good I I think that I actually think it's interesting that we're talking about this after John Tucker must die because I do think it is very much an opportunity for women to like unite surrounding friendship and Mm -hmm. like it is against a common enemy which like is more broadly toxic masculinity and misogyny but like this is their emblem of it and at no point are they trying to woo him (laughs) yeah like they don't really fall into that trope either again it's a stretch to compare the two they're very different but one of the things I did think was different than what would happen in real life and we'll talk about this later when we talk when we like discuss how the representation of the patriarchy in this movie is reflected in real life high school but you know normally it's not just like one guy and his stupid friend it's like a lot more people and I understand for the sake of the movie they had to have just like one character that they had to have as like the so-called villain but I just was like you know, at the end, when it turns out that, like, he actually had sexually assaulted his girlfriend at the time, and the principal comes in and is like, come with me to the office now. I don't know. I I was just like, you know, this doesn't happen. And, like, unfortunately, the reality is, like, there's so much more work to do. It's not... I. I just didn't feel like that ending was it was was a very quick character arc on the part of Principal Shelley like to go from making excuse after excuse for this man and then to immediately hold him accountable I was like this is an ideal scenario basically like I I found that unbelievable as well and it's not just like okay this one rapist is gonna get in trouble it's like well, let's talk about the system in place. Let's talk about the fact that the principal is going to believe the man time after time. Let's talk about the platform he was given to like speak his idea of the truth instead of believing. Instead of and, giving both people a platform. Yeah. And it's like, well, we, you could have talked about that. Just like this one guy getting in trouble that I don't feel like that's like, 
a good resolution. It's more just like justice. It's more just like what we should be doing anyway. Well, it's just showing too that like obviously that that needed to happen, and like I'm glad that that is what happened. But it also yes. is like why did it take till this to hold him accountable? And also thinking about how and again like I I really do think that him's well I don't want to like I don't want to like compare the things he does but I just do think it's interesting when like the the victim survivor is a white woman versus like when he straight up spit in Lucy's drink and like Mm -hmm. really threatened her like why that wasn't handled more seriously Mm -hmm. and also like if he had done that publicly would he have been like was it because I can't remember the girl's name, but her test, it was because her testimony, Emma, was it because Mm -hmm. her testimony was public that he was held accountable? If she had just gone to the principal's office and said it, would he have held her account? Like, or would she have held him accountable? So I I don't, yeah, I agree that like, that was one where I was, and, and maybe that is intentional. It's causing you to be like, "Hmm," like, okay, it did why did it kind of get to this point but also i i found it actually on i agree with you that i found it unrealistic that he that she would immediately go to him i mean i do think that that is like how it should be <laughs> mm-hmm. and and be like you're expelled now basically um and we can have an investigation after the fact but you are like suspended currently and we are going to deal with this but um yeah i don't know it it i agree that it was <clears throat> but I want to go back to the boyfriend. To boyfriend, uh, what was Amy Poehler's character's just name? Like Lisa. Lisa. I think it's the boyfriend's <clears throat> just name, like John or something like that. We can also just call him. I actually want to talk about like the dinner scene as a whole. I know we talked yeah. about it with Seth, but so first of all, when Vivian comes, okay, first of all, no one ever would be able to bring a bottle of champagne and into that blatantly a, yeah in a high school football game pop it and drink it without getting in trouble like wow also I, all eyes were basically on them because like they were the ones who, like it was when Kiera was trying <clears throat> to like when she was about to potentially win she then yeah. lost but like you- they were all like looking to Moxie, the girls of Moxie. Like, why did when she did that? I was like, okay, I went to like very few football games in high school. I like didn't do that, but <laughs> but um, I know if people like were drinking, they either did it beforehand or they would do it under the bleachers. Maybe like I don't even know if they were doing that. Like like you didn't just blatantly drink. Yeah, people. Well, you in might have school, it on a water bottle or something. Yeah, people in my high school would drink before. And yeah, drink before or drink they after. Would get in trouble and got breathalyzed a bunch. And yeah, that happened at my school too. School, anyways. It wasn't, <laughs> wasn't me. But, I was in a basement, probably watching anime. So. Billy <laughs> and I would not have been friends in high school. No. <laughs> <laughs> I went to every single football game. But that's because I was in the band. I went to like one or two and it was when I was a freshman. And then I didn't do it again. Did you paint stuff on your face? Boring. Okay. Um, <laughs> Sorry, um, audience, you didn't see me shake my head now. <laughs> um, so then she comes home and she's drunk and her mom's like, are you drunk? And she's like, yeah, because no one understands me. I mean, like, she was upset for actually a good reason. I feel bad making fun of her. Right. Because her friend didn't. And also, she does have, like, dad issues. 
Uh, yeah. Okay, Nellie. <laughs> just roasting Vivian. No, I'm kidding. Um, well, I do I'm- just think she comes home and her mom's with a boy and like it does like, oh, yeah. well, amplify like, it a little bit. And- but she's already drunk. Yeah. And then that takes me to my next point at the dinner table when she's like berating this poor man who she's never Both met besides the grocery store. Yeah. And, and then when she threw up on him when she came oh she also threw up on john but my whole thing is like she was so mad for no good reason and it just made me upset because she was not taking her mother's feelings into account not accountability she just didn't take her mother's feelings into account and like she was like why did you make a salad you only eat frozen pizza and it's like, first of all, girl, don't blame your mother on this date right now. <laughs> and yeah, like, let off, her, like, mask a little. Have you ever know. heard of a dinner party? Like, are you going <laughs> to serve these people frozen pizza? When They're like, she dinner? likes real milk, not She's alternative like, milk. My mom's a cool girl. She doesn't eat salad. She was like, you're actually making something green. And it's like, yeah, bitch. Like I'm like also party. girl. Do you know the ways in which you're like embodying the patriarchy by saying like by roasting your publicly roasting your mom? Like, can you yeah. just chill out? Like I'm and, like, and, and then, then she does the whole like paint my name on or your name on my arm or something. The well, even before thing. then, when she was like, "Why aren't you asking me about physics? Is it because I'm a girl and you don't think I'm smart enough?" She was like, "You're not engaging." <laughs> I, I actually am really glad that they put that part in the movie because I think that is a very valid point on like when does activism become too much and it's like when it's like projecting she wasn't actually trying to fix any problem there and she wasn't actually trying to have like a discourse on any actual like issue instead she was like oh this man I've never met before you're not asking me about physics oh you must think I'm stupid it's like no you weren't he asked your boyfriend. You could have chimed in. You yeah. also literally could have been like, oh my God, it's kicking my ass too. I also thought she was, he was like, oh, do you take physics? And Seth was like, yes. And she didn't answer. So I was like, oh, she doesn't. Well, Seth, do Seth was literally just like, physics is kicking my ass right now. Gotcha. Because they were just like, how's, he was just like, how's high school to the both of them? She like didn't say anything. And then he, because she just, this is also right after her fight with Claudia. So like, again, this is like, what is going on with her which is no excuse but like she's very much not present but I agree with what you said before like it's like how I also think it just speaks to like I mean I definitely did this slash do this at times where it's like when you're developing especially a young person developing your feminism you are just or just like your activism in general you're just like so angry that you just like need something to yell at, but it's not an excuse to like, just take it out on. <laughs> I feel weird saying this, but like innocent men, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like I, I, it's not to say that like they, it's just that it's not like men specifically are your enemy. Like you, especially if you're in this opportunity, you can still have like a critical discourse with them, not mm-hmm. at them. Yeah. I guess is what I'm saying. I was kind of hoping the petty queen in me when she was like, why do you have an American flag on your car, John? Like, oh, my God. Don't, I you, know, like- don't you know it's going to take 300 years to reach true, true gender equality? I thought he was going to be like, yes, I'm a veteran. And I was going to be like, Oop, 
but no, he was not a veteran. And I'm kind of of the belief that we can like, I understand the weight that is carried when you put an American flag on your truck or whatever, like whatever he did, whatever, or his Jeep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was a Jeep. It was a Jeep. I do think that like, I am of the belief that like, if you're wanting to like reclaim the American flag from super right-wing people, like it's not just their flag. Mm-hmm. yeah but i think he and, actually was right wing like uh, or right leaning right of the aisle or maybe just perhaps a little moderate because she kind of lisa references that at one point but that is still not a reason to completely what did she say she just said we have different views on things at one point lisa oh. said that like before but she was like but he makes me happy and like we can have really cool discussions like i'm and like I yes okay this is positive lisa isn't going to date someone that doesn't like have the same core beliefs that she right, does exactly so He's she like wouldn't date someone or something. Yeah, yeah or like thinks that women should be in the kitchen right like he obviously knows what he's <laughs> getting into and she knows what she's getting into right yeah i obviously love me my republicans we all know that <laughs> god but i would i would date seth yeah I don't think not Seth. Seth's a Republican. Not the Seth. Not not high school Seth. Take that out. I wouldn't date that high school. Would character. you date John? I think he's a nice man. Yeah, honestly, I think he's hot. <laughs> yeah, I like uh, thought he was hot. Then I saw his Jeep and I was like, oh god, he got a Jeep. <laughs> I will say, okay, one other man I want to talk about is the teacher. Okay. Um, and I think that like we see the ways in which again, like I, I don't think he's 100% innocent, but I do think he's put in, put a, put in a pretty tough position at one point when um, Caitlin is kind of going after him with the whole dress code thing. But I also do think she is like, hey, stand up for me, be an ally. And then he's like being filmed and he's panicking. And I I don't really know what like my thought is with that, but I do think it's like it does speak to like the power of the power dynamic of all of this and how it's not really an excuse, but like, I think when you're in a, like, um, just like how people do not like stand up for what's right. If it means it's going to put like their job at risk or something like that, which is not good, but it, I, I think that that is the case. But I do remember when he was like, I'm t- meant to read this to you. You're not supposed to walk out. He was like, and then he reads it word for word exactly what it is that is like, you will be suspended or something like that if you walk out, blah, 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 blah. And then he's like, so don't do it or something. And he like nods his head when he says that. And then he lifts up his hands and it has like the heart and the stars all over them. Or he said something like, I wash my hands. I wash it. my hands clean of this, basically. And, and then basically says, go walk out like more or less to them i got chills oh my god yeah i was kind of like okay ultimate ally king like love you (laughs) like i do think that um like we saw a character arc with him a little bit obviously that doesn't just like fully like there's obviously still work to be done and i also think you're able to see people for more than just like these specific parts of the storyline it's the fact that like there are other like politics at play ultimately which isn't necessarily an excuse to not stand up for what is right but i think it's the pressure that people face and and like i've been in that position where it's been like you don't want to speak up to a like speak up against a superior but that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it you know especially if you are 
like the ally you're meant to be the ally in the situation because you have a privileged identity um so i think that's another important storyline that they highlighted um also i i don't really want to give her much time but i fucking hate the principal apart from that one thing she did at the end that's positive but she like calls Mm -hmm. caitlin out in front of the entire class she about the dress code thing like publicly embarrasses her in my opinion she obviously completely gaslights lucy i don't know just the worst the what when she was like talk about a woman in bed in the patriarchy a little phyllis schlafly um when she allowed for mitchell to go on the news and didn't alert the right. other candidate about didn't it like and then when she was like called out she was like well you didn't ask it's like you shouldn't have to like if you're gonna have one you shouldn't invite the other right um do you want to talk about high school yeah i'll just quickly go into this because i think we should well, we already kind of talked about if it's intersectional, but I think that's a good point that we should talk about quickly. Um, so I will just go into like the idea of how this movie kind of depicts the ways in which the patriarchy is alive and well in high school, um, particularly public high school. It definitely is alive and well in private school as well, but Um, I just wanted to speak on behalf of my experience in public school. Um, A lot of this stuff I could really relate to from my experience in high school and the other stuff I was like, this is stupid and doesn't happen. Um, But like, for example, when I was in high school, one day there was a hot girl bracket that got sent around the school and um, it was... It was pretty bad for me because I was actually not on the bracket and I was like, wow, I guess I'm that ugly that I didn't get on the bracket. Like I still was so embedded in the patriarchy that men's approval of my appearance was like really important. Um, and I still struggle with that. I still struggle with it. I mean, I'm way better at it today. Actually, I really don't care about what men think about me, but you know, there are still things like that embedded in me but especially when I was a junior in high school that really affected me turns out um, a man who I was very close with created the hot girl bracket and didn't put me on it because he didn't want men comparing my hotness to other women um which is like, okay, well, if you had to take off a woman who was important to use name on the bracket, you should have seen the the fault in that. Right. Well, then and, and also there. like, obviously it's great that he values your friendship, but that also like, doesn't mean that the other women should be being put, pitted against one another, you know, mm-hmm. and then also how it's going to affect you. Like it's mm-hmm. just definitely just overall pretty complicated. Like, so- it's like, it's like, six one half a dozen the other like it's just going to still hurt someone so anyways it got sent around the school and um most of the girls were just like oh this is so dumb like they kind of did exactly what um vivian told lucy to do which was they just kept their head down and they were like this is dumb we should make a hot guys bracket and like rank all the guys in school Of course, they never did any of that. But like that actually it did. It did not sit right with me. And I tried to act like it was stupid. But just like 
that feeling of when I opened the hot girl bracket and like my name wasn't on the list, that was like really not devastating because it's such a dumb thing, but like I was really down for a second because I was like, wow, I am not viewed at attractive at all. Um, and of course that wasn't the case. It was like someone valued me more than my appearance and that's why they didn't put me on the list. Um, but the, the positive thing that came out of this was that my friends and I got together and we created a feminist group of sorts, definitely more low key than Moxie. But um, we realized like how deeply embedded the patriarchy was at our school and that we needed like a group of feminists and like we needed to kind of like stick up for ourselves and we created student activism for women which was oh, like yeah a, paid. I didn't even know that yeah it's like a it was like a feminist group um but we we had to make it a community service-based thing because otherwise people would get super riled up that we had a feminist group <laughs> um so we basically were just like we go around and empower women in the community through acts of service and so that was like so th- watching this movie I really related to it because I'm like this happened to me girls were upset some girls said it was okay but the girls that were actually like you know who were upset about it did something about it and I mean there are things that I don't think is accurate like there's not just one guy leading the charge there's oftentimes it'll be like a leader but there are tons of boys I remember in high school that just were so horrible to women and would say like the worst things and at one point they tried to create a student activism for men uh, because they thought student activism for women was stupid so they basically created a big group message and just made a bunch of sexist jokes to each other until one guy finally said like this is horrible y'all have mothers and sisters and now like we know like women are more than just mothers and sisters but like the guy basically was like you were raised by women and you're friends with women and you have like sisters that are women and you're gonna sit here and say these terrible things like this is awful and then no one said any more sexist jokes and the group disbanded fuck yeah anyway so that's what public school is like and um the patriarchy is alive and well, mm-hmm. um, and especially in the South, oh, but also in the well North. Yeah, I was like, like, it's up here. I mean, it's like, I, I think in any region of the country or the world, it surfaces differently, but it is very much, I mean, we've talked about this before, like patriarchy is interwoven with capitalism, and those are both inherently American things. Nellie is moxie feminist i think it portrays feminist identity and is and the evolution like evolution of feminism and feminist history i have trouble saying it's feminist because i don't think it's like wholly intersectionally feminist but yeah my answer is yes but i want to read a quote from NPR from the NPR article I referenced earlier that is by Linda Holmes and it's kind of a long quote but I think it really does like I resonate with this and I might as well just pass the mic to her because I think 
this is how I feel about it. And so, and, and I'm of the belief that like, if something is not intersection, like if feminism isn't intersectional, it's not feminism. And so like I say, yeah, it's a step towards it. And I think it does a very good job compared to a lot of other things that we've talked about on this podcast. Um, but here's the quote. Still, there are an awful lot more, there is an awful lot more to intersectionality than associating yourself with a diverse group of allies, particularly if they're organized around your own founding document, in this case, the Moxie zine. It was probably never within reach to create a single two-hour film that focused on Vivian's personal story to this degree and also felt fully and richly representative of some cross-section of young feminist experiences. It would at least have required a series rather than a movie to explore at any length. For instance, how high school misogyny affects transgender girls differently from cisgender girls or black girls different from white girls. The Moxie girls unite primarily around things that affect them broadly, mostly independently of these other differences. Boys who rank girls by how, quote, bangable they are, a school that polices their clothes so they don't, quote, distract boys with their bodies and the general bully pulpit the school affords athletes, especially Mitchell, a cartoonishly evil football player. The things that affect them in ways that are particular are mentioned from time to time, but brief, briefly and perhaps a little dutifully. One further note, the diversity on display here doesn't really include body type. Moxie doesn't seem to make its emotional mer merch in plus sizes, if you get my drift. So, end quote. It's a long one, I'm sorry, but I do think that, um, yes, my answer is yes, but it is only a step towards, I think, I think if like there was a series of Moxie and it focused on the perspective of each of these people, I would be like, yeah, this is feminism, like intersectional feminism. But I, again, I think because it's through the specific lens of Vivian, it is, it is more, it's leaning towards white feminism with kind of intersectional tinges, I guess. What do you think, Pate? <clears throat> Thank you for asking, Nellie. Um, what do I think? I would say yes, Moxie is feminist. Um, I don't want to sound like a broken record because I say this almost every podcast, but it's super not perfect. Um, but I do think like, I do think it's feminist. I do think it is attempting to you know, fight the patriarchy while also calling out people on um, performative activism and activism that isn't necessarily effective, but you're just making noise to make noise, talking about Vivian at the dinner table. And I think it is like a really good movie for younger people to watch. Like, you and I have already gone through high school and college and like we kind of have an idea of like what our beliefs are and like how to fight like social norms but I think this would be great for someone who is a young feminist and trying to like realize why are dress codes bad because for so long dress codes were just embedded in me like it's it's because things have to be appropriate and like you don't want to distract men like it was so far embedded in me that like it took a long time for me to realize that simply it is not a woman's fault if a man is distracted by what they're wearing. Um, <clears throat> and so I just think like this, while it's an imperfect movie and it has like, I think some cheesy moments and cringy moments, I think ultimately it is 
like doing a good job of representing like a fight for equality and a fight for like women to do whatever they want, wear whatever they want and not have to be fearful. Yeah, I think that was really well said. I think that was a great wrap up. And um, I know that you picked out a quote for us to use. Um, I really liked the quote. I'll do two. The first one I liked was by Amy Poehler. And it's when Vivian is being annoying and rude to her and isn't like listening to her mom. And Amy Poehler's character goes, you can't talk to me like that. I'm your mother, but I'm also a person. And I feel like that was a really great quote because so oftentimes parents are like, you can't talk to me like that. I'm your parent. And it's like, okay, <laughs> what else does that mean? So I think it's really important that she was like, I'm your mother, but I'm also a person and you are disrespecting me. Yeah. Another <laughs> quote from her that I like is when she says, don't tell me to, to relax. That's very triggering for me. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, me. <laughs> Nelly. Um, and then the quote that I think we should wrap up with is by Lucy after Vivian tells her, you know, just keep your head down and ignore Mitchell and he'll finally ino- ignore you. And Lucy says, thanks for the advice, but I'm going to keep my head up high. And I was like, queen, queen shit. Like, yeah, never let out like a man or really anyone cause you to do that, cause you to like feel discouraged. Keep your head up high, queen, because you're a queen. Well, this has Take been Feminist Fiends and Quarantine Queens. Bye. Bye.